Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 1993's The Skateboard Kid, directed by the great Larry Swordlove, tells us the story of Zach and his magical talking skateboard, voiced by none other than Dom DeLuise. One could say that John, Don DeLuise legitimately phoned that performance in. <laughs> I'm going to say this about Dom DeLuise's performance as Rip the Talking Skateboard. And we might, we might be getting ahead of ourselves here. It honestly felt to me like they filmed the movie without any of the skateboard dialogue. Right. Played it for Dom DeLuise without like, just like sat him down, put the movie on, said, just add some lines. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it felt very much like a list of things that Dom DeLuise would say. Like he's, he's I'm no good with stairs going down the ladder. It's, I mean, it felt like a combination of that. And I kept thinking of, because there'd be like these close-ups of the skateboard just going like, let's rock and roll. I honestly thought of those scenes in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker with Carrie Fisher, where they had like existing Carrie Fisher footage from the, from the force awakens and just tried to shoehorn in the other side of a conversation that would somehow make sense to have her be in the movie. And it felt the scenes with rip the skateboard felt like that. Right, like they they felt like they were almost lines he said in other movies. Like, hey, you know, he'd be like, "Thank you for flying skateboard airs," and it was like he he said that in in like the Cannibal Run two <laughs> to 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 Sammy Davis Junior. And they just used it. Like, yeah. it Why is the skateboard referring to himself as Captain Chaos all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, we've uh, we've watched some pretty rough movies on this podcast, Kevin. And I will say that this movie was definitely one of them. <laughs> it's uh, this is, I mean, it's, it is a kid's movie. So it's hard to be like, but I, you know, I have kids. So I watch a lot of kids movies. This is, this is the movie. I feel like the entire purpose of this movie existing is it's 1993. You're taking the kids to blockbuster for family movie night. Every copy of Jurassic Park is so, is like rented out. Every copy of Hook is rented out. Every copy of Disney's Aladdin is rented out. Fuck it. Skateboard Kid. Skateboard Kid. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it definitely has that energy like this movie's a movie. <laughs> like it, like I you know the poster probably cost more production wise than the movie itself to get people to rent it. Yeah, it was it was pretty impressively you know, I, I I was made that observation while I was watching the movie that it seems to me that a lot of kids' movies, the thing that they don't concentrate on is like a, like any of the scenes actually stringing together in a, in any kind of you know when you when you're an adult and you're remembering a favorite movie from when you were a kid, and then later on, if you ever like, have you ever sat down and watched the Neverending Story? 
The never-ending story is a completely separate collection of scenes that don't really hang together very well. And I think it's because it's possible that they just don't need to. You know, like the story takes itself there. And, you you know, if you're an adult watching, you think, oh, that, that, was, a, that was a weird dot to connect. But as a little kid, you're you're just like more skateboard action, you know? I yeah, I, don't, I mean, there are kids movies that pay attention to story structure. I mean, in the in the two thousands, Pixar were masters at it, right? Uh, right. So it can be done, and I do think it pays off to have a movie that's actually good. Well, right. I I think that's that's exactly the the case. Is that it was like, I mean, I mean, this was certainly a low budget kind of. Yeah, it. I mean, but apparently it also, in its own way, pays off not to care. Right, <laughs> right. I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, I was originally like, you know, the credits come up and I'm like, okay, Timothy Busfield. Like, I like, I like Busfield. Who doesn't love a little Busfield? You got the mom from my so-called life in there. I was like, this, you know, these are reasonable people to be in kind of. Can I talk about how, how much of a crush I used to have on Bess Armstrong? Really? It was mostly due to her her character in the Tom Hanks vehicle, uh, Nothing in Common. Yeah, I always thought she was really, really foxy in that movie, and I uh, and I was glad to see her on the on the on the screen in the skateboard kid. <laughs> I, I mostly knew her from Jaws 3D. Ah, okay, yeah. This time it's personal, Kevin. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> you know, I thought these are reasonable people, but it it was and honestly, Busfield, who plays the dad and his son Zach, are you know coming driving to this new town where Busfield is going to be. He's going to run a TV station. Yeah, he's going to kind of be a jack of all trades at this TV station. Kind of like Weird Al in UHF. I th- I th- I was hoping there would be uh, more, you know, more of a connection there. It was also strange to me. You mentioned that they d- drive to a new town. But wasn't it sort of strange to you that all the skateboarder kids that he was hanging out with in L.A., which was that was definitely L.A., those are the same kids that are the skateboard gang in his new town. He's skating with the same kids. It was confusing to me. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, didn't they move? Did they move three blocks away? No one will notice. <laughs> Whatever. They really like that shot of sort of like low to the ground, skateboard flying over the camera with an airplane flying. Oh over the man, did they make a meal out of that? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I know they liked it because they went to that well 75 times 70, in a row. 75 times in a montage that also is funny because I, you know, I, my job doing this podcast is kind of keep keep pay attention to the skateboarding. And I also thought it was really funny that the 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 person whoever was filming the skateboarding sequences didn't seem to really care very much over whether the trick was landed or not landed. There was a lot of just the board sort of flying off of the feet of the kid as they were jumping over and it all made the cut, whatever it's skate action. It doesn't matter. It's that the board flips away from the kid and it's like, yeah, man, that's uh, that's a, that's a take. When they move <laughs> to the new town and I see that like uh, Zach is getting hassled by the mean kids. And I, I immediately thought, Oh, this is called the skateboard kid because it's like the karate kid. And I thought he was going to, rather than using karate to, beat back the bullies he was going to use skateboarding but then it kind of took this weird turn into like the magical talking skateboard shows up you almost you didn't really need the talking skateboard for this movie to work not at all it could have simply been a motorized skateboard although it, i guess it did fly magically 
Yes. But I, it did, certainly didn't need to talk. But, no, or fly. <laughs> or fly. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> that was that scene where, like, at the end of the movie, where, like, he flies away and then lands, and he's like, I've got to get back to help. And he's like, I don't know, am I 30 miles from home or 15 minutes? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, there was also the element of a treasure map and kind of a also kind of a um a Bedford Falls-esque uh uh character who like owned all of the real estate and was trying to <laughs> trying to scam the mom. It was very in at the end of the movie, the entire plot of the movie hinged on whether or not a water tower is classified as a utility structure or a dwelling. <laughs> Which is what I want out of a skateboard movie. It, 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 it literally became a matter for the town assessor to come down and just sign the paperwork. Like, oh no, that's clearly not as a residential structure, so the treasure is yours. Yes. <laughs> that, that was like, a, I think that was like the town sheriff or something. Which, so that's, that's that, again, in the beginning of the movie, when they when they mess with the with the the cop, that's the same cop. So what town did he move? Did he move to that? It was like it must have been just like you know, literally just like four streets over, and that cops was in the same jurisdiction. Because even their little skate, their like uh, skate ramp um, rave pad. Was the same one from... That's how you knew these kids were bad, too. Not not that they were messing with the cop. Because, like, I think if you have, like, a group of skateboarders in a movie and they mess with a cop, you know, they're punching up. You know, the cop represents authority and skateboarding being a crime. I think anyone would be on board with that and sort of be like, okay, well, the skateboarders are going to mess with the cop because of a general, like, anti-authority stance, and they can still be the heroes of the movie. What bothered me is they were fucking with this poor guy in a chicken costume. Yeah, man. And, uh, like, an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> they were also bullying an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> and a man in a chicken costume. Like, this dude's day sucks enough already. He's already spending the day in a chicken costume for his job. What chicken and- costume guy do to you, man? <laughs> Leave him alone. And that was also another a situation where the, the main kid, his only likable attribute was that he just wasn't a bully. <laughs> like he wasn't very much very likable either, but he was just not a outwardly a dick. I no, he seemed like kind of a blank slate. He seemed to, for someone whose father worked in television, he seemed to have no inkling of the fact that rushing in and screaming dad, dad, while things are being filmed is something that shouldn't be done. Right. You'd think you'd be able to recognize that red on the air, on the air light and, uh, and take heed. And yet, yet, uh, yet another hole. It's not that big a deal. You wait for a second for them to say cut, then kind of whisper, Hey, is it okay, dad? If we, I want to know more about this television station. <laughs> Cause Busfield shows up. He's doing the weather. He's not a meteorologist. He's uh, kind of hosting a children's show in a clown suit. He's making commercials. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see this movie. I want to see the movie about Busfield. I was more interested in in Busfield. In fact, it felt it, I, I can. I was sort of imagining Aaron Sorkin when he was casting The West Wing, and he was and, and he flipped he was flipping on the TV, and then the skateboard kid came on, and he was like, "Get me Busfield." <laughs> <laughs> I Aaron Sorkin strikes me as the sort of person who would watch the skateboard kid 
and like get upset because of how preposterous. It was completely preposterous. Yes, he would. He would have. He would have a lot to say. And then he'd write an essay for the New Yorker <laughs> about the dumbing down of America. <laughs> if Patty Chayefsky had seen the skateboard kid, <laughs> he would be rolling in his grave. Perhaps he would appear on a podcast that tore it to shreds. <laughs> Our next podcast will be all about the West Wing. Yes. Josh Josh Lyman was uh, an avid skateboarder on the, on the show. <laughs> Which West Wing cast member do you, like not cast member, but like a character on the West Wing, do you think rode a skateboard at any time in their life? Like Jed's probably too old. Yeah, Jed's too old. I I I could see I could see Sam Seaborn, pretty athletic. I mean, kind of a square, but at least he's sort of an athletic dude. I mean, I could honestly see Busfield, Danny, Danny. I think Danny. I could see that Danny skated in like the early eighties. Okay, you know, I could because that's the that's the timeline we're looking at. Like that, you know, he would have been. No, in the eighties, he was thirty something. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I could I could see Busfield. I could see who else? Charlie? Ch- Charlie, yeah. Big skate scene in DC, just out of high school at the time. Yeah. I could see that. I now now that I see you say it, I like the idea of Charlie like, you know, like like dabbling a little bit in the skate culture, hanging out by uh hanging out by the monuments on the marble and skating, and I could see it. Josh Lyman never rode a skateboard. Josh Lyman was, yeah, he was, he was like a track and field guy. Or am I just, wait, am I just, uh, tele, is that just telepathy from his character in Billy Madison, who was a track? I don't think so. I think, I think for the West Wing, like that guy would have been too busy hitting the books. Yeah. Right. But he had to, he, I know that he did some kind of like collegiate sports activity just for the resume. Yeah. But it would have been like a team sport. Like there's no extra, you don't letter in skateboarding. Oh, no, certainly not. Yeah, we definitely agree that Josh Lyman was not a skateboarder at all. Same thing with Toby. Oh, Toby, yeah. <laughs> Toby was in like a, a doo-wop group <laughs> on the street. Like I could, I could see Toby play like maybe like doing some Dungeons and Dragons. He doesn't talk about it now, but at the time, Toby was being like... Uh, Niflog the half orc. <laughs> you think so? Like what in his college days or no, I think like younger than that. Like, you know, like 12-year-old Toby was like Yeah, but I thought was that a thing? Like I thought he was too that would how like how old was Toby? I feel like But he was into it when like Gygax was sending out like the Xerox pamphlets. Okay. Yeah, I can I can I can work with that. In in my head canon. Anyway, <laughs> skateboard kid. Skateboard kid. <laughs> This the the movie to me had like a general. It seemed to like it was going for a vibe of like a seventies live action Disney movie, like 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 the nader of Disney, like your kind of apple dumpling gang. Sure, like like let's pitch the humor there. Right, the cop you know gets out of the car and all the water falls out of the car and he's gonna fish in his pocket. That's very. You're right. That's very sort of on brand for that that level of comedy it's like we can't afford tim conway <laughs> so let's get this guy but who 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 can afford tim conway yeah <laughs> we, we we can't afford deloise voice only i got the sense that the majority of the cast of this film mike were just doing it for the page sure yeah i i could see i could see busfield uh uh 30 uh, something had was, was that is this pre or post 30 something i think this is post 30 something but i don't i don't remember when 30 something went off the air those 
30 something checks weren't coming in anymore. And he was like, look, I, uh, yeah. 30 something and 30 something ended in 1991. Ah, there you go. There it is. Busfield needed some, needed a little, a little, a little seed money to keep things going until, uh, until he got the call from, from the sort. <laughs> he got, until he got cast on studio 60. Oh, that's right. On yeah. The sunset. Strip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I did my, you know, usual sort of rounds of research and was impressed by how little I could find about anything really about this movie. Uh, I, I, I found no, I didn't recognize any of the names of this, like the stunt doubles that played skateboarders, even though I'm sure they were, they were definitely real skateboarders, sorry, real skateboarders. And they were, but I, I recognized none of the names, um, you know, I, I did a, a sort of, you know, obviously I recognize Bess Armstrong, uh, but uh, I did a bunch of other sort of Googling of people. And I, the most interesting figure I came up with was Gabe Witcher, who was uh, in the band Trash Kittens and composed the, the songs that played over the, uh, over the uh, credits. That was uh, a f- frankly, unbelievably weird <laughs> The music in general in this movie, I thought, was was on par with the quality of the film. Sure, yeah. It was, the, the music was, like, not good. And it was not good in a very sort of specific, we're trying to ape something that's real, but can't really get there. Or, well, for me, the impression I got was that it was, they were trying to ape all the things. <laughs> like, it was, like, it was supposed to be, like, kind of, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers, but metal, but, like... LA punk rock and managed to be none of those things at all. Um, but he he went on to work with Loggins and Messina on a, <laughs> on a tour much later on. So that thought that was pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool too. It's way cooler than working on the skateboard kid. Right. He also, yeah, I mean, he did a bunch of stuff. I guess he's uh he worked with T-Bone Burnett. He's he's become uh, a really Gabe Witcher has become a very well-known sort of uh bluegrass multi multitasker. He can play all the stringed instruments. Um, and he kind of has had the most prolific career, you know, other than other than the big two. Uh, I think the the guy who played like the used car salesman worked it worked a lot. He was in the last Starfighter, Kevin. Well, and that's quite a CV. Again, I don't know why. Outside of saying like, oh, it's a talking skateboard, and we can get Dom Del. Maybe they got Dom DeLuise after the fact and like, well, shit, we already filmed the whole movie. What are we gonna do here? It's like the skateboard talks. I but you gotta wonder, like, was so right. So what were the bricks that built this movie? Was the first thing talking skateboard, or was like the that like the last thing where they were like, oh, the skateboard should probably talk? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Larry Swordlove, who wrote and directed this, most of his credits are in like animated kid shows from like like Muppet Babies, uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, like stuff that's like generally well regarded. So I don't know if like this, so he's probably, so he's probably coming at it from that vantage point, at which point he was probably, probably the talking skateboard was the hook and they built everything out from there. Sure. Well, it's, it's just interesting that like those cartoons, the, both the ones that you mentioned do have an element of just like weird magic that happens to suddenly make the Muppets talk or whatever. But yeah, so 
It's like Kelly Link, magical realism. Yeah, you just you just do it. It's like a Haruki Murakami novel where you just follow the cat and it takes you to another world of talking skateboards and Bess Armstrong. <laughs> like if Murakami wrote this movie, I'd be much more into it. Yeah, it'd probably be lots of lots of long descriptions of meals and outfits. At one point, the skateboard pitches a baseball. Yeah. I, I, Right, because at some point that was like an interest of the kid. He wanted his dad to go practice baseball with him. I mean, he's a multifaceted character, Kevin. He's got he's got a lot of a lot of a lot of plates spinning. Yeah, I mean, I know I know he's not tossing the old pigskin back and forth with Zach, but someone's gonna buy those TV dinners that Zach sprays all over the living room when he tries to invite Bess Armstrong and his daughter over. <laughs> it's true. And when do, when do Busfield and Armstrong fall in love? Because that sort of it's because they Bess Armstrong and her daughter show up for a disastrous dinner where they eat pizza. The used car guy who she's kind of dating shows up, and that's awkward. And it seems like immediately from there they are in love. Right. He they they I, we never got our date, and then they're immediately married. Right after that, very strange. It struck me as odd. I'm going to I'm going to say something nice about this movie. There was a chase through like an abandoned park like a parking lot full of like abandoned cars. And I thought that looked kind of cool and it was slightly different from all of the other skateboard chase scenes we've seen in all of the other skateboard movies we've watched for this podcast. Yeah, I I I like there was a sort of frenetic energy to that to that chase scene that I that I I felt like somebody was uh working overtime and the style wise to get something done there. I like, I, I actually was like, Oh, this is pretty good. And then, you know, then it went back to Dom DeLuise saying like, Oh, is my head tired and flying <laughs> through the air? Oh man. <laughs> we, we, we forced our way through another one. Kevin. Like, like a Shakespeare comedy. It ends with a wedding and a terrible music video. So did you like this movie? I, I watched this movie. I did not like it. I, uh, I, it was, it was like, there wasn't enough charm to it. You know, like, like even, even police Academy four had enough, like, Oh, okay. I, you know, the, the, it had enough charm to make it through. This was a very poorly made low budget crappy kids movie. This was a rough watch. It did. It was police Academy four had Michael Winslow. Police Academy four did a lot of crazy shit happening. It like held my interest. Because like, oh, now there are ninjas. Yeah, this was like I didn't even watch this with my own kids. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there would be any. Your own kids would be like, "Daddy, this movie's terrible." <laughs> Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at gleamingthetube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime.